It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many brutes are not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself in the world, but it's only something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no seats. The ladder puts the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in the fire, the system of the gangs, the government for hire in the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, leave the jury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the Hour of Doom. And Bloom. <laughs> oh, my God. You are so hoarse. I know. I am kicking you off the show tonight. I'm surprised you're not hoarse. I am not. I am ready to go. <laughs> and you're that, a lucky man. I am indeed a lucky man. Hey, friends and neighbors. <laughs> welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a paragon of power in a pernicious world. Hey, you know who I am? I am Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of DoomandBloom.net, where you'll find 700 posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. I'm a man on a mission, and that's to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton. I'm also known as Nurse Amy. Yeah, is that a fact? I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. (laughs) Boy, did we talk a lot today. And the hostess (laughs) with the mostest. uh, You have to tell them why we talked a lot. I am, I am. You're awesome. You go out, go somewhere. Go hide in the corner or something because you are We're in the hotel room. I'm going to go right over there and lay down. (laughs) But if you need me, honey, just... Wait. Yes, ma'am, I certainly I'll will. I'll come over. I certainly, <laughs> certainly will. Together, if we are together, although we may not be together tonight, uh, we are the wa- watchers on the wall, and we watch it all for I'm you. So keep help you keep it together, even if everything else falls me. apart. <laughs> Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with an outrageous alligator? Our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, silly people, and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the host and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available but we're here to help if it isn't so what's the gist physicist 
We learn as much from you as you do from us. So connect with us. It is easy. And here is how. You can connect with us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. You can find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, and also our other pages, Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. You can follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy on youtube.com. And our video cast the first and third Wednesdays of each month at aroundthecabin.com. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say a great big hello to Michael Lineber, who we met, His actually met, not him, but his wife in Denver, Colorado, where we were last week. Man, we have been traveling like crazy. We were in Denver, Colorado just last week. We were home for about two or three days, and then up to Atlanta, Georgia, where we are here for the RK Prepper Show and we have met a lot of awfully nice people, of course, all in Denver at the Self-Reliance Expo and also at the RK Prepper Show here in Atlanta. Nurse Amy has her dad live and uh, stepmom live in Atlanta, and so it is a great place for us to come visit the family. And we are lucky to have such a warm reception from the folks in both Colorado and Atlanta. But man, it is grueling. We travel a lot. Our mission means a lot to us, and that is to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster, and we mean it. So we travel around and try to spread the word, and uh, poor Amy, I think, has reached a point where she's so hoarse that she really can't speak much. So I do apologize. You're going to have to listen to me most for the most of the show, and I'll tell you that... Uh, it's listening to me is a lot better than looking at me. I have a face made for radio. Now in the news, Tropical Storm Erica threatened Florida and the Gulf Coast after killing 20 people in mudslides and floods in the island of Dominica. Officially, Erica has dissipated into a tropical wave, but a lot of rain is expected in Florida. Some strengthening may occur once the wave hits the Gulf. Now, the most destructive impacts from the storm were felt across Dominica in the Lesser Antilles. That was on August 27. They washed out roads, homes were damaged, and uh, believe me, that place is a poor, poor island. Uh, and the airport was indeed flooded. The capital was called Roseau, Dominica, and it picked up 12.6 inches of rain, yow, in a 12-hour period from Erica. So no hurricane for Florida, but you know, storms are still in the forecast. So let's talk a little bit about storms. During summer and early fall in our neck of the woods down here, well, I use the word, word fall pretty loosely because summer lasts about seven, eight months around here. We have a thunderstorm just about every day in the early afternoon. With it, we get lightning, we get flooding, we get occasionally hail, a number, well, we get a lot of fender benders and other assorted mishaps. You can just imagine what it's like now these are rarely life-threatening but they are so common down here and so many other parts of the country you know i've written about hurricanes and tornadoes and wildfires and earthquakes but i rarely write about or talk much about the much more frequently encountered thunderstorms thunderstorms can occur anywhere where cooler air collides with warm moist air now they consider a thunderstorm to be severe and start giving warnings for it if some, some events occur, like wind 
The wind, if the wind reaches uh, 50 miles an hour or more, if hail reaches an inch in diameter, wow, that would be, that's big hail. Um, uh, a tornado funnel forms, of course, a, a funnel cloud forms. If you get more than two inches of rain in an hour, that's considered a severe storm. And there are a lot of risks that are associated, risks to your health that are associated to severe storms. And they include thunder and lightning, of course. Lightning occurs, lightning is amazing and and not only is it just an amazing phenomena, period, but it occurs more than a billion times a year, a billion times, and about 25% of these strike the ground. In a typical storm, lightning strikes happen about two to three times a minute until the storm begins to dissipate. And weather conditions down here in the, the subtropics and the tropics, they're so favorable for this that 70% of lightning strikes occur down in this neck of the woods. Now, thunder is different from lightning. Thunder is the sound wave that emanates from the lightning. And the sound waves form along the length of the lightning's path. So if a lightning bolt was perfectly straight, then you would hear a single boom or crack. But if lightning takes a jagged course to the ground, you get a rumbling effect. So that's how you get the sound of thunder and, and the different types of thunder. When you hear that crack, you know, that was a pretty straight, right down to the ground, lightning uh, lightning strike. But if it's a, a big rumbling effect, it, that lightning has traveled in a weird, weird, jagged course. Sound travels about, uh, let's say, about 350 yards a second. So you can estimate the distance between you and a lightning strike by counting the seconds between seeing the lightning and hearing the accompanying thunder. Five seconds is about a mile. So if you count one, two, three, four, one thousand, one one thousand, two one thousand, that kind of thing, that you can get an idea that about five seconds, that would be about a mile. Now, of course, it is very rare to become a victim of a lightning strike. Then the majority of people do survive the event, although they may survive with some long-term nerve or mental damage. Matter of fact, these people often consider it to be difficult to concentrate they feel a little fuzzy and i'm when i say fuzzy i'm not talking about their skin is fuzzy i'm talking about their mind is fuzzy it's hard for them to concentrate and this is something that you'll see as a long-term effect from a lightning strike uh, to the body now staying away from metal fixtures in a home or car during severe storms or away from tall objects like trees and utility poles uh, that's those are pretty good strategies to avoid lightning injuries and also of course waiting for the storm to pass before showering because plumbing fixtures indeed do conduct electricity now hail once a thunderstorm produces hailstones we call it a hailstorm now most common in mountainous areas these are areas of like let's say Colorado Wyoming nearby states some parts of Canada they actually have more of a tendency to have hailstorms. They actually have a hail alley, so to speak, that uh, is similar to the areas of the Midwest that have a tornado alley. Now, hail often causes, causes damage to vehicles, roofing, glass, worst of all, can cause damage to livestock and crops. And now, if it's bad enough, it can cause a lot of economic da damage, as you can imagine. And aircraft also may be damaged by airborne hail even as small as one and a half, a half an inch in diameter and can be caused and can cause significant amounts of trouble landing because of hail on the ground. 
Now to protect yourself, make sure you and your animals are inside when a major storm is likely. And if you're on the highway, get over, under an overpass or into a building's parking garage as soon as you can to avoid damage. Uh, flooding is also a very common thing that you'll see with storms. Flash flooding especially. It's a process where the landscape is inundated as a, a result of large volumes of rain from a storm. So you will see that in a lot of cases. You'll sometimes see tornadoes. Um, they form in a storm uh, and they cause a lot of destruction. I, we, I'll tell you, we have driven through uh, Joplin, Missouri, Branson, and those areas uh, very soon after they had their tornadoes. I can tell you that, boy, Mother Nature is a harsh mistress. Uh, we've talked about uh, tornadoes a lot, and we've, you've seen a lot of our articles, I'm sure, about tornadoes, but until you actually have seen it, it's amazing. It, it, you really, you really don't know. I actually had a tornado that went right by our house, and that was in the middle of the night. And I'll tell you, it sounded like a freight train. I, I jumped out of bed, and I felt like I almost felt like the front door was about to burst in. I had actually put myself right against the front door, put my back against the front door. I felt a lot of pressure there, and heard this train coming, and uh, and indeed, that's what it was. It was indeed a tornado. It's just uh, an amazing thing to experience. Now, there's something that's not a tornado, but it acts a little bit like it. It's called a downburst. Now, a downburst is often uh, mistaken for a tornado because of the force of the winds, but these things are actually different animals altogether. In a tornado, the winds circle a central port uh, point inward and upward right but in a downburst winds travel downward and then just before hitting the ground they travel outward to the sides from their landing point and this is something that doesn't have a funnel cloud they're difficult to identify so this is a major issue as a matter of fact it's very dangerous for plane travel because it will cause an unplanned drop in altitude something you definitely don't want to see when you're taking off or landing now, in a, as in a tornado, down uh, bursts will damage crops. They'll, da they'll flatten crops, as a matter of fact. Livestock, they'll damage vehicles. Homes can be destroyed. And so this is uh, a, major, a major issue that hardly anybody knows about. I mean, I, until I researched it, I really didn't know much about downbursts myself. Now, Amer the American Red Cross is always there for us, and uh, it does put out guidelines for storm safety. So some of the things that they say is uh, one, they don't want you to ignore thunder because anyone close enough to hear thunder is po possibly close enough to be struck by lightning. I guess that makes sense. Now, avoid electrical appliances that are not attached to power surge protectors. You should have power surge protectors throughout your house. That's important. Interestingly enough, though, cordless telephones if you have one of those in your house, they're usually pretty safe to use during a thunderstorm. So that those are actually okay. Now, close all windows and doors. That's important. High winds can break glass. We happen to have a film on the glass, uh, on our glass in our house. So that's something that we use that is very helpful. Um, don't bathe or shower during a storm. Plumbing does conduct electricity, and so you can get shocked uh, if you're driving exit the road park away from trees or utility poles remain in the vehicle don't touch metal if you can uh, if you find a building with a garage man go right inside it drive inside it that's important and if you can get inside a safe sturdy building 
And if this is not possible, if you're out in the open, take cover in a low area, minimize your contact with the ground. So this is something that I think is a, a good thing to think about and know how to deal with regular storms, even if you're not going to be dealing with a hurricane. Storms are going to come, as, like they say, in every life a little rain must fall, and sometimes a lot of rain falls. So consider how to stay safe during them. You know what? We're considering putting together. Are you? Are you there? Are you, have you, I'm here. You're here. I'm here. I just actually had to leave. Why is that? Because I went to FaceTime my daughter who just landed in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. And wow. And it is Sunday morning there. That is crazy. So she's in. She's she in Hong in Kong. Last Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. So she's on. Is this? A, a, this is like a business trip or? For school, her master's degree. Wow. Well, at Northwestern University in Chicago. And so she's majoring in Chinese. Probably a good, <laughs> probably a good idea. We probably all will be speaking no, chi Chinese in a few fifty years or I so. Know, right. She's majoring in communications and marketing. Oh well, good for her. Well, we're very proud of her. She's done, uh, accomplished a lot, and they're going to go from Hong Kong. I think Shanghai is the next one. Are they trying and to... then Tokyo. Are they trying to figure out, you know, the Chinese way of business or something? She'll be interning at some major companies. I think um, Hewlett Packard. Hewlett Packard. Wow. In, in China. China. Yeah. Well, Coolio. Well, good for her. And uh, we, I hope she learns Places a little... Places we haven't been. I hope she'll learn, she learns a little Chinese because uh, we may need it in the future. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Now, I should tell her to look for uh, our book. Yeah, it's in Chinese Mandarin over there. Wow. Well, I, yes, it wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't surprise me in the it's least. Funny. Well, you know, speaking about uh, that, we actually are considering considering putting together a new show, not in China, but we're considering <laughs> considering putting together a new show no, that not in China. that may not be totally survival medicine related. We we have, as you know, the uh, barely prepared show, which is a little new satire show we do with Charlie Hogwood and that's Courtney Hogwood, <laughs> and that's a, sort of a fun show. If you haven't <clears throat> seen it, uh, you can go to our. Uh, uh, YouTube channel called Barely Prepared, and you see some of the episodes with that. Each one's about five minutes or so, <laughs> and um, they're sort of cool. Fun we'll be stuff. doing it's fun, it's fun, and we do a little bit of that. But we're thinking of doing another show, maybe connecting with Genesis or iHeart, so like you a know, general preparedness. and so do we maybe can talk a, to anybody about anything. Yeah, I think that uh, bring on experts of different topics. And yeah. So we're thinking about doing that, and I don't know whether we should be I mean, modifying we've been our for right. A very long time. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so the question is whether we should modify this show or try to do another new show altogether. Well, blend it. Or blend it. I and think we're just going to blend it. I don't That's know. The best idea. I just don't know what how what to do, and I just want to hear from our our audience out there. I mean, do you are you okay with just listening about survival medicine from us, or or would you like to hear us talk about other topics? I mean, we have... I can talk about other things. I have dehydrated. I've put together solar panels. I've done marine batteries with inverters. Um, we can um, talk about things in the gosh, news. My gosh, we've done so, so many things. Yeah, we can talk Certain about things in the news. So if you, so gardening. If, so if you want us to, if, if you think we should just stick to survival medicine, send us an email at drbonespodcast at aol.com if you'd like like to see us talk about other things. And, uh, oh, I, you, know what else and you have a lot of very strong opinions. We did um, our ham radio license. 
So we've got a little bit of communications. We can bring on someone to talk about that who's an actual expert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. We can talk to other people who have expertise in these fields and share general preparedness along with um, our, I wouldn't say expertise, but our forte, um, which is survival medicine. All right. Well, and sounds... bring everything to people. All right. So feel free to send us your opinion at, over at DR Bones Podcast. Tell, you, tell, tell us what you want us to talk about. Now, let, let me get a, uh, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. I want to just let you know that we are the authors of the Amazon bestseller, The Survival Medicine Handbook, uh, and has a lot of important information. It will give you a head start in any disaster epidemic. Uh, we put it in plain English, not Mandarin, so imagine that. So put old Dr. Bones and lovely nurse Amy in your survival library. Head over to Amazon.com, get a copy uh, or you can get a copy personally autographed going to you by heading to our website at doomandbloom.net, ordering it there. And also, we want to just say that for those of you who have kept our book on the most wished for list on Amazon for two years running, and possibly because it might be a, an expensive book and uh, you want a, a shorter book, we have a shorter, less expensive, abbreviated version of our book that was published, published recently by Skyhorse Publishing. They call it the ultimate survival medicine guide that's also available on amazon and uh less expensive a little and a shorter book than the one we have yes and i also wanted to say you you to the point of in plain english you were speaking to a gentleman today who was a veterinarian yes who looked through the book and actually approved the fact that it is written in plain English. Yes. I spoke to him in dog <laughs> thorough. language. Thorough. He was very thorough when he was yes. looking through the book. I said, yes. <laughs> I, spoke. I think he found one medical term that used. He said, now I see you use this medical term, but then you defined it. Yes. <laughs> you remember that? That's right. That's right. Well, we appreciate it. It was good. That was very uh, you funny. Know, and we appreciate the opinions of everybody with regards to our book. I'm glad he liked the book, too. Oh, I want to just say that we, if you would like to see us talk we're going to be in a few places before um, the end of the uh we'll just conference it, season we'll I just guess. call it before thanksgiving How's okay that? and we're going to be in uh, saluda north carolina in uh, i think september on september september 19th so, that weekend so, and, 18th 19th and 20th okay in saluda north carolina it's a that friday near, saturday sunday it's near hendersonville north carolina and so you Just can see us there yep we're gonna have a good time there uh, we'll also be in houston texas for another self-reliance expo and we're going to be there on october 3rd and then we're going to louisville kentucky for the nps expo i'm looking forward to that and one. that is october 10th and 11th that mm. is a two-day show You're the self-reliance expo the weekend before in houston is only a one-day show and we'll be doing uh suture classes and lectures and all sorts of great stuff there so check it out and uh, i hope we can get to see some of our uh audience that listens to us from those necks of the woods as we say so um the last thing i want to say is that nurse amy has a wonderful line of medical kits that they are available on our website also individual items uh dvds and things like that that's at store doom and bloom dot net oh and, and nurse amy has actually until september 14 2015 
has decided to give everybody free shipping on anything in the store. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Not I would so say crazy. not so crazy. She says <laughs> from from her. I'm just nice. Yeah, she's a very nice lady, and and so therefore, if you're looking for something, want to get a good deal, I'll tell you, you get a good deal uh, from some some of the stuff that we send people weighs 25, 30 pounds, and for free shipping, that's pretty good. So anyhow. Let's see what we got here. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about nosebleeds. You know, nosebleeds are another very common thing that we do wind up seeing. It's a rare individual who's never had one, let's face it. And the, uh, the nose actually has a lot of these tiny blood vessels called capillaries. Uh, they're situa it's situated, let's face it, in a very vulnerable position right in the middle of your face and sticking out from it. And so nosebleeds are super common. They occur at any age. They're mostly seen in children and the elderly. I can vouch for that i had nosebleeds when i was a kid and i know that uh, uh my elderly aunt had a lot of them um in the last couple of years and she had you know just a lot of issues with that and it's important to know that you can there's a right way to deal with it and a wrong way to deal with it of course nosebleeds occur from trauma it can also occur from factors that affect the inside of the nose like excessive picking your nose as they say you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose but you can't pick your friend's nose right amy yes yes she says uh, <laughs> of course or irritation of course from upper rep respiratory infections things like that now environmental factors if you live in colorado of course you start you probably notice more nosebleeds than other people or if you live in Arizona, those are very, very common. Uh, some people that are on blood thinners, they'll experience a blood, um, nosebleeds more often. So, I mean, it's a time to know if how to effectively stop a nosebleed. Now, what you wanna do is you wanna sit upright with your head tipped slightly forward. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of people tip their head backwards. And now, even though you might've been taught to do that, this may just cause blood to run back the uh, back of the throat and so that's something that is very important press uh, using your thumb and index finger pinch the soft part of the nose just before the bone and push it towards push towards the face that's very important spit out any blood in the mouth or throat don't don't swallow it because blood does irritate the stomach in some cases so that's something very important there are medicated nasal sprays that you can use, like oxymetazoline hydrochloride, uh, that's afrin, uh, before applying some pressure to the area. So you spray with the medicated afrin nasal spray and then apply pressure, that's something. Of course, you can apply an ice pack to the side that's bleeding. Cold does constrict blood vessels, may help stop the bleeding. That's something that might work. Uh, the pressure you want to apply for several minutes at least that's something that's very important. You want to be patient. Check to see if your patient's nose is still bleeding, though, after about 10 minutes. If it's still bleeding, you have to continue to hold it. Maybe put a little petroleum jelly inside the nose. That is very important. Now, in prolonged cases, now you may want to cut a strip from maybe some of your quick clot or cellox powder impregnated gauze and delicately put it with a blunt tweezers or Kelly clamp into the nose itself. Now, so that's something that may work with pressure, especially that is not an unreasonable strategy to stop the nosebleed. Now, alternatively, you can flush the nose with sterile saline, 
and then in, uh, introduce a thin strip of cloth uh, drenched in epinephrine, which you can get by taking apart an EpiPen or other anaphylactic shock kit, and put that gently into the nostril. That may work as well. In, in these cases, once you have a packing in the nose, uh, then you really don't want to remove that packing for several hours. There are some commercial products, I have to say, that you can use that are good for nosebleeds. Nasal Cease, N-A-S-A-L-C-E-A-S-E, -S -E is, is one that's pretty good. Wound Seal, W-O-U-N-D-S-E-A-L. Those are also, those are products are available, thought to be effective. Might be useful medical storage items for you in times of trouble. Joe, Sealox Rapid, the one-inch wide. Right, the Sealox Rapid uh, yeah, is, one is an excellent one, a ribbon. It's a Sealox yeah, Rapid. Oh, it's only yeah. one inch wide. Right, it's an inch wide, I've so it actually, this would actually be perfect. Absolutely. I tried it, it worked great. Now, one thing I think that's important to know that regardless of why the bleeding started, blowing the nose to eject blood and clots should be avoided. It probably will restart the bleeding. You have to be careful. Now, of course, if there's a fracture, the patient will find, you can know, you'll know that because any pressure on the nose will become very, very painful. And although it may be painful, an obvious deformity of the nose due to trauma is something you might just want to adjust it back into place. Now, that's something that is is hard to deal with but what you would do is you would apply uh, your index uh, your two fingers on either side of the nose I'm doing it right now so I may sound sort of nasal as I'm do as I'm doing it and what you do is you take it and using and just pressing straight down towards the mouth you'll be you should be able to straighten out a nose that is obviously deformed as a result of trauma. So that's something that you might consider. You know, there is a natural uh, method that might work. Geranium oil is considered to be a natural hemostatic or blood controlling agent. And so if you put a few strips on a, a few drops on a strip of gauze, that actually might work if you put that in the bleeding nostril. So if you want to try a natural remedy, that is something that might just work. So it's something to, something to consider. So this is something that's very important. That Oh, I wanted to say that if you do manage to get the nose to stay in place, I want you to tape the nose so that it's in place as well. So use some medical tape and uh, put it in, make sure that the, the tape uh, sort of immobilizes the nose in its normal position. Put some ice wrapped in cloth over the nose for periods of 20 minutes throughout the first 48 hours afterwards, that'll help reduce swelling and hopefully some discomfort as well. Uh, Tylenol, ibuprofen, those things might be helpful in this circumstance. And and maybe a nasal decongestant also, because your nasal passages obviously are gonna be swollen. They may help decrease the actual uh, swelling of the nose as well. So that's something something to consider. You know, I've written a lot about Ebola over the course of uh, last year. As a matter of fact, uh, I wrote a book called The Ebola Survival Handbook, and I always tell people that I cured the Ebola crisis by writing the book because as soon as it hit the shelves, you, you never heard about Ebola again. But uh, unfortunately, we are hearing about Ebola still, not because there are so many new cases or anything like that, but because people that are survivors are actually experiencing some some major health issues. In uh, Guinea, Sierra Leone, and um, 
Liberia, these are the places that the epidemic was worse and took the greatest toll of lives. Well, the, vi the virus has certainly begun to retreat. There are very few new cases, but the survivors, the 50% of people that did pull through, there are still effects of Ebola that still linger. There are thousands of Ebola survivors that have resumed their regular lives, but many of them still traumatize, of course, when, when I mean that, of course, from a psychological standpoint, they're traumatized, because, uh, I mean, I guess if, if you had to live through an epidemic like that, I think it would be hard, especially since that society, societies in those areas have a tendency to shun people that are, that have gotten deathly ill and somehow survived, but the diseases after effects aren't just psychological there are a lot of survivors that are now returning to clinics they have these mysterious symptoms like chronic headaches joint pain eye problems and some people some of them actually have even gone blind now there's some doctors in the region that are now calling these things post ebola syndrome and they're developing clinics just to care for ebola survivors now the problem is there's no real definition for this and uh, it's been nearly impossible to study them so far because Ebola survivors were so uncommon. Y usually the uh, medical studies you see are were on very small outbreaks and very few survivors of that outbreak. And one study managed to track down a grand total of 49 survivors uh, three years after an outbreak. And, and that one even found that many people survive, uh, experienced the same joint and eye problems that survivors now from this latest epidemic are experiencing. So it's it's hard to say whether all of these symptoms are related to having survived Ebola. Many many of the symptoms that are reported by survivors are sort of nonspecific. I mean, they're not, they really can't pinpoint them and, and they're a little different in each person. So it, there are a lot of other diseases in the area. One infectious disease researcher says that uh, malaria and some of the other diseases that are common to the area we call those endemic diseases e-n-d-e-m-i-c that they could be causing physical symptoms as well so uh, these non-specific symptoms like fatigue and uh, decreased appetite difficulty sleeping you know it's really hard to say whether they're what they're caused by whether they're totally physical totally psychological who knows uh, this most recent outbreak, however, is going to help us find out because there are now 15,000 or so confirmed survivors in West Africa. And so there should be able to be studies performed in the near future that will nail down just what symptoms uh, that are long-term after Ebola are caused actually by Ebola. Now, most uh, researchers are playing catch-up and their best shot at defining what, what's between these symptoms and Ebola is a study being run by the National Institute of Health in uh, collaboration with the Ministry of Health in the country of Liberia. And they're asking 1,500 survivors about their symptoms. They're performing physical exams on them, eye tests and blood drawing and all sorts of other things. And so it'll be interesting to see. They recently tested a, an Ebola vaccine in the area and found pretty good results with it. So there actually may be a successful Ebola vaccine coming out in the near future. So they're gonna follow, post-Ebola survivors are gonna follow people that were never infected 
And uh, if that's the case, then she'll find a lot of people who weren't infected aren't having these symptoms, and the people that are were infected are having symptoms, and hopefully they'll be able to figure out a, a series of symptoms that they def definitely can pinpoint to Ebola. Now, there's not a lot of treatment, just like there wasn't a lot of treatment for Ebola itself, there's not a lot of treatment for the symptoms that people are seeing, headaches and things like that. And well, they're treating them with Advil and they're treating, uh, you know, with ibuprofen and other stuff for joint pain. And that's really about it. Now, the, there are two theories of why these people are still having them. And the and one of them is a pretty scary one, that the virus itself hasn't actually cleared from their body completely. You know, test for Ebola, look for uh, evidence of the virus in the person's blood, but there are different areas where Ebola can hang out for a long period of time. Uh, they can hang out in people's eyes, they can hang out in a, a man's testicles. That's why male survivors are encouraged to not have sex or at least use condoms for a few months after their infections clear up. And these reservoirs where these uh, viruses can hang, hide out could exist elsewhere in the body that we don't know of, maybe in the joints. Uh, there's another explanation. It might be a autoimmune response. I mean, the body attacking itself. You know, after the infection clears, the immune system may have been fighting it so hard that it starts attacking anything in the body that it perceives as foreign, and that's something that could affect uh, joints and other areas that are common complaints among Ebola survivors. So, unfortunately, until the data comes in on this latest set of Ebola survivors and nails down what symptoms are actually linked directly to the virus, well, they really don't know which uh, origin is actually the right one. So we're just going to have to wait and see with Ebola. And now a short musical interlude. You're listening to the Survival Medicine Hour from Atlanta, Georgia with Dr. Bones mostly and the poor horse Nurse Amy who can't even talk. We'll see you in a few minutes.
we're back. You're listening to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour with Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about mudslides. It really sort of freaked me out that 20 people died in mudslides in the little island of Dominica due to this tropical storm, really not even a hurricane. And it just amazes me how dangerous these things could be. Now, a mudslide is sometimes called a debris flow. It's basically a landslide with a high water content. Mudslides act like a river in a sense that uh, if the mud is thick, uh, has a pretty thick consistency, also has basically a consistency of wet concrete. That's, and you can imagine wet concrete moving towards you is not a good thing to have. Mud, rocks, trees, other large objects are carried along. They can cause homes to collapse and, gosh, a huge amount of traumatic injury to people living in those homes. And in the U.S., there are about 25 to 50 deaths on average as a result of these kinds of mudslides. Now, periods of heavy rainfall or snow melt, they saturate the ground. They can cause instability in sloping areas. And uh, Florida, is, by the way, is uh, set to get a lot of that rainfall and so we could see some mudslides there although we don't have luckily a lot of uh, mountains or mountainous areas or, or big hills in in the state in general uh, areas that are prone to earthquakes and hurricanes and wildfires and other natural disasters they're pretty susceptible to this kind of calamity uh, humans of course contribute to this uh, risk with poor planning. I mean, they cut roads into hills and mountains and scenic mountain retreats and they make mudslides much more common. A lot of people want their house to have a mountain view or to want it to be on the side of a mountain. And of course, these are going to be big, big issues if the mudslide occur. Now, some people also like the river, uh, a retreat right on the river or right by a brook. And those things have a tendency to be towards the bottom at the base of a mountain and of course at the base of a hill uh, if you're in the holler you know you're going to be vulnerable to being the resting place for all the mud from a mudslide now that means that you have to do some planning if, if you're considering this type of thing before building that dream home remember beware of steep slopes uh, natural runoffs, eroded areas, these are important. Make sure you always have your county geological survey specialist assess your property for possible mudslide risk. Consider flexible pipe fittings installed by pros that are less prone to gas leaks or water leaks. Uh, building a, a retaining wall in a, in a mudslide channel, that would be a big, big, big thing, to, a, big, a good idea to do for sure. Uh, avoid areas, of course, that are really prone to mudslides in the past. I mean, because uh, we have to learn if from history. If we don't learn from history, we're going to repeat it. Uh, always have an evacuation route. Have your NOAA weather radio, a battery-powered radio. And, of course, you want to have a medical kit to deal with both traumatic injury and also to help with water sterilization in case you can't be reached for a period of time. Now, mudslides... Uh, there are a lot of mudslide prone areas. They're going to start showing signs that trouble is on the way. You can actually possibly predict this. In those circumstances, cracks begin to develop in walls, flooring or pavement, driveways, foundations. 
uh, your outside structures might begin to separate from buildings or might tilt a little bit. Uh, doors and windows start becoming jammed. Utility lines start breaking. Fences, trees, utility poles start tilting. Uh, water starts accumulating in strange places. If you start seeing that, you need to start worrying. Uh, roads and embankments along slopes, they start breaking off at the edges. We've seen that a lot. Uh, if you've ever driven through the Smoky Mountain National Park, you'll see a lot of areas where that has happened. Uh, and the terrain starts to bulge or starts slanting at the base of a slope. Now, these are big issues. If you think you're start you're going to be in the middle of a mudslide, make sure you turn on your NOAA radio if, and during a storm. Listen to warnings as they're reported. Of course, if something's happening, warn your neighbors if they if you can possibly reach them. Uh, get the heck out of there. Obviously, if at all possible, if you think a mudslide's imminent, just remember that you you have to make that decision soon because roads may be washed out. You got to stay away from mudslide areas because there once a mudslide has occurred, easily the areas adjacent to it could start sliding as well. Uh, if you have to stay home, get to the second story if you have one. Uh, watch for down power lines. That's something that's going to happen. And as the slide passes through, get under a table, curl into a ball, protect your head. But if you trap, you're, if you're trapped in the mud, if you can form an air pocket around you, especially around your face, you might be able to survive for quite a while. You can survive for three to four days without water. So, uh, at, you know, at most. So that may take them time to find you, but they might be able to find you within that amount of time. Now, mudslides are... Not something you see every day, but they can occur. We see it in the island of Dominica, where a lot of people died uh, just from the tropical storm. So, you know, it's important to be prepared in every way for the slings and arrows that the uncertain future may hold for you. Well, we are going to go to a episode of Barely Prepared to finish off the show. I hope you understand that uh, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull dog. At least that's what Stephen King said in The Shining. And so we're going to go ahead and end our show with a little comedy. I hope that you enjoy it and we will see you next week. And welcome back to Barely Prepared, the show that asks the question. Um, what question? What was the question? <laughs> Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Kind of. Barely. <laughs> barely. We're barely prepared. Oh, our show prep. Oh, and also, the, the other question is, do you know what the hell's going on in the world? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. well, do you care? Well, well we and do, do and care? we're going to tell you. Hey, you know what? Get your calendars out and save the dates July 14th and 15th at the North American Manure Expo at Lesher's Poultry Farm in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. You can attend seminars like Digested Organics and Homestead Nutrition and even participate in a manure auction. The Expo is looking for a slogan for this year's event and it's drawn more than 200 suggestions, none of which can be mentioned on the air except for these six. The Manure Expo, where nobody stands behind their product. That's good. That's wise advice. I like it. It's very smart. Keep your friends close and your manure further.
Yeah. Even, yeah. Wiser. even wiser. Yeah. Even yeah. wiser. Yeah. I like Good it. Choice. Sanitation, like it. digging the trains. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The Manure Expo. The future of what comes out of your behind. <laughs> oh, that I think is optimistic. Yeah. I, think that, <laughs> I think that is very optimistic. That's forward yeah. thinking. I think, I think it's forward thinking. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Consistency. We do do. Do you? <laughs> Makes you think, doesn't it? Uh, I think we thoughts? all. I think yeah. we all do do. Yeah. That's right. I think I pulled a neuron. Sorry. Manure happens. Manure <laughs> happens. My neurons are. That sounds like a. A political campaign. My neuron sounds like manure a lot, so I don't know. The the Manure Expo. Manure happens to be nutritious. Oh, Oh my gosh. Yum, yum, yum. Your diet stinks, right? (laughs) And the number one slogan for the Manure Expo. Yes. Heaping files. Oops. Did I say piles? Heaping piles of fun. They should keep that one on file. I don't know if I can use manure as a tongue twister. Charlie, is this the perfect venue for political candidates to make speeches? First of all, I am very happy that someone has embraced the truth in advertising and has aptly named the presidential campaign season. Uh, so <laughs> the Manure Expo, the, the, manure the North Expo. American Manure Expo. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah. we can we can make wise choices into our elected officials. Yeah, yes. so that works well for the Canadian elections too. Yeah. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yes, it's all coming together. Absolutely. That is awesome. Well, Courtney, is this a great event to take a first date to? I would. I think it would be. I think it's great because here's the thing: you take your date. And then you know from the very beginning if they can put up with your poop. <laughs> I like it. I like it. How, like it. how about you, Charlie? You, were, you weren't in agreement there I for was, a second. I was referring to you. the first date, actually. I, 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 have a, I have a question, though. Did they hand out clothespins at the at, front door? At, at the front door? That would be, Is that I part think, of the awesome... ticket? I think that would, gloves, be that would be absolutely... Gloves? Yeah, gloves fashion. would be right. clothespins. Right. Maybe all, an N95 mask. All of this is part of the manure <clears throat> subculture, which I'm glad is fine. Finally asserting itself, and I hope that everyone will make sure that they make it to the North American Manure Expo. Now, Amy. Yes. I understand you're going to be a participant in the pie-eating contest. Well, you know, I was considering it, but I found out that most of the uh, donors for the manure pies eat a lot of GMO foods. And you know how against GMO foods I am. Not organic. Anti-Monsanto. So... I just can't as much as I really want because I know I'd win. <laughs> but is it still yeah, I can shovel, if you win, I you can really shovel, win. Joe, I can <laughs> shovel manure better than anybody else. And, and you can stir it, too. You know what? It's good to have a talent. I can okay. dish it out. I can serve it. So, but is, my question is, is it still GMO if it's come out of an organic orifice? I believe ah. that those GMO organisms are unchanged when they come out of there. Uh-huh. Out of there. Uh, you know what we need? Uh, out of there. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like we're moving to the end of the show. <laughs> Almost. Coming up next, who says romance is dead? A Washington teen straps fake explosives to his body and asks someone out to prom. This portion of Barely Prepared was brought to you by a ham sandwich. What's better than a little ham between two slices of bread? Not much, my friends. Put a little mustard on it and you've got a party in your mouth. But better hurry, that ham sandwich won't eat itself. The hosts of Barely Prepared do not condone cruelty to pigs, the eating of refined wheat, or the indiscriminate addition of condiments to foods. 
You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.